0: Welcome, everybody, to another occasional Austin Center for Design podcast. My name is Adam Ederprim. I'm with my two teammates.
1: Susie Brister, Kelsey Greathouse.
0: All right. Welcome, everybody. So we have just completed a big kind of marker, I guess I would say, in our first and second term research project related to recycled reeds. Essentially, they are our client. Um, recycled Reads is a used bookstore that's part of the Austin Public Library system. We're going to give you a brief description of them and our kind of conversation we had with them today and kind of thoughts, reflections on this big conversation that we had today as we learn the design research process. Uh, so why don't we start with y'all? Like, How would you define Recycled Reads? What's your definition? Susie, you want to jump in first?
1: Sure, I'll go first. So Recycled Reads really exists to take ex-library materials, materials that have been what they call weeded from the library. So books that are really no longer being circulated, books that have been damaged, books that are extra copies, um, those are pulled from the shelves and those materials have to go somewhere. So they're actually taken to Recycled Reads. Recycled Reads processes them for lack of a better term and they actually have a storefront bookstore where they are able to resell these books to the public at very very low prices from between say 50 cents to two dollars they also accept public donations directly from the public um and are able to sell those books on the floor as well
0: exactly kelsey anything to add to that
2: yeah i would agree um with that as like kind of the main purpose of recycled reads they also do lots of programming and um kind of collaborate and have partnerships with other city departments to put on fix-it clinics or knitting groups and yukestra, things like that, that they use their space to kind of open it up to the community as well.
0: Yeah, the ukulele orchestra. Can't forget about them. Yeah, so they do a little bit of everything. We knew this like right away as we started our research. We ended up with, just to uh, review our research, 24 people... You know, well over 20 hours of, of transcripts and a lot of data, a lot of utterances from people. We eventually uh, grouped all of those utterances, as we call them, little parts of speech from all of these participants, grouped them on huge walls, uh, themed them, I guess you would say. We put a theme to many of these utterances, many of these parts of speech, and eventually we let, it led us to these insights. So um, I guess I'll start with the problem statement that we came to with Recycled Reads. And that's kind of what we sat down and we presented to our client today. Um, today was interesting because it was the first time we knew we could, have, we could potentially have a tougher conversation, a more provocative conversation where we're telling them things that aren't going particularly well, um, which was interesting. But our problem space was this. Recycled Reads' purpose is not obvious or clear. Recycled Reads' attention on peripheral areas of operation dilutes the main purpose. And you heard um, Susie and Kelsey mention all the different things that they do in addition to selling and diverting books from the city of Austin Landfill. Um, so how would you guys comment on the, on the kind of problem space or statement? And kind of your thoughts before we had to deliver this Mm -hmm. to the client today? Because nobody wants to hear that their goals or their purpose is not clear.
2: Yeah, so I think um, sort of my thoughts going in were just that, um, that they probably didn't want to hear, that their purpose wasn't getting across. Um, But we had data and information to support that. We had lots and lots of quotes, you know, with different things that said that, Recycled Reads was a hybrid branch, or they're keeping books out of the landfill, or the purpose is to take care of the materials, it's good public relations, or even just things like this is where I get my cheap books. So we heard a lot of different um, purposes and missions or even values um, that people had about Recycled Reads, but we often didn't hear one clear purpose of that. So I think coming in with that aspect to just sort of say, you're doing a lot, But it's diluting the main thing that you are trying to get across. Mm -hmm. Um, And that's really critical for them.
1: Yeah, and I think the main reason why that is so critical is that since they since Recycled Reads can't really define their primary purpose, it has in a way become difficult for the people that make decisions about their existence, their continued existence within the Austin Public Library and within the city of Austin uh, to really justify sort of their value. Um, And so we propose to them that they should really celebrate what they do, which is to, you know, provide this benefit of extending taxpayer dollars through the extending the life of, you know, ex-library materials. um, And by basically keeping things from the landfill, keeping things from being thrown away, and by focusing on that both internally and externally in the way they, you know, send this message out to both their customers and to the world, the citizens of Austin, then it'll be a lot easier for them to really show their value to the city when, when they come up, uh, sort of basically for, for budget renewals. Right. Right. Right.
0: And that's a threat that they've had to deal with in the past because they're on private property. They have to pay rent or the city of Austin has to pay that rent. So they're kind of like, they are held to a little bit different standard or parameters that they have to, you know, deal with that libraries don't, because most of them are on public property. Um, so the other insights that we came to and we delivered today to Recycled Reads are that Recycled Reads' relationship to the Austin Public Library needs to be clear and pervasive. Um, so we're kind of getting to that as well. They need to define their place because currently that connection for a customer is, is not really clear. If you go to Recycled Reads, it's this like great but quirky place that has weird hours. You can fill up your entire bookshelf for very little money, $2 hair covers, paperbacks or less. Um, But when you leave, your books are put on a scale. You're not really told why and you leave just like a store. But that scale and that experience of how those books um, are diverted from a landfill or those books have a a larger purpose to the city of Austin's zero waste initiative are kind of lost. Um, And let's see, our, our other insight... Uh, Kelsey, you want to read our last insight that we gave to Recycled Reads?
2: Yeah, so our last insight was that Recycled Reads is not speaking the same language as the city of Austin. They need to translate their worth into the quantifiable monetary measurements that the city can actually um, interpret. And what we meant by that and what we found in our research was that we heard time and time again that the city of Austin was looking at um, a bottom line, a monetary budget, and we found that they were really trying to evaluate Recycled Reads using this monetary um, measurement, mm-hmm. essentially. And Recycled Reads, on the other hand, was basically saying, well, we don't have sales goals. We measure our success kind of in um, the weights, the tonnage that we of materials, of books that we save from going to the landfill every year. And so our statement around that is just that they're – the recycled reeds in the city of Austin are not speaking the same language. One is speaking in monetary terms while the other is speaking in tonnage and recycled, like recycled materials. And that is, that is part of the struggle for them to be able to prove their place and their worth in the system because they, the city of Austin doesn't um, sort of evaluate them on the scale that they need to be evaluated on.
0: Yeah, there's no agreed upon standard of success which is part of the part of the issue right okay so we delivered this um these insights to recycled reads today and as as i was mentioning before this is the first time that maybe they were going to hear some things that they didn't necessarily want to hear um which didn't really turn out to be the case uh do you guys want to share kind of your what you thought their their reaction was like
2: yeah, so I think um, on the first sort of big statement about their purpose not being very clear or diluted, um, they definitely were like, we hear that. Like, we know that that's happening. Um, um, but it was also kind of interesting because <laughs> 10 minutes later, they they sort of did the same thing where they were like, oh, but we do these these great programs. Um, and they do, but it again kind of like almost diminishes their main purpose. Um, so that was interesting uh, to see, and then, in terms of like actually kind of delivering the insights, I think there were some spaces where we could have been a little bit more provocative or a little bit more, you know, definitive or even declarative in kind of what we were saying to in maybe not harsher terms, but just make it very, very clear. And um maybe they wouldn't have walked back on some of the they would have probably gotten the point a little bit better had we have done that. Um, but of course, we were kind of, it's a fine line because we want to be able to maintain this relationship and we don't want to alienate them. Um, but we opened it up to a lot of discussion as well. And I think that that our main goal was to like start a conversation around some of these problem areas and kind of get their input about where they're thinking about going, um, what they kind of want to see done with this information in the future.
0: Yeah, I think I I totally agree with Kelsey as well. Um, we had, in some of our drafts, we had more provocative language, I guess, you know? Um, and, there, and, it's, and it's purposely provocative. It's not just to you know, make somebody angry, but to get them to kind of see something they're so in the weeds with every day and, and look at it from a different point of view. So I know on like our first insight when we essentially said, make your main purpose clear, don't spend as much time on these peripheral areas. I know at one point we had a draft that said like, don't waste your time on the peripheral areas. And I think like, yeah, some of those words, if not that one, like we, we could have added those. That's kind of, a, uh, you know, part of, I guess, getting into lessons learned. So let me ask you guys that of this whole process of, of design research, which is really a particular type of qualitative research that we've come to learn, know and love and start describing to people what it is that we're doing how, what, what lessons do you think you've learned either from today's conversation or up, up into this point of the design research process?
1: Hmm. Um, I definitely think, I think it's important to be confident and bold in your statements to your client about really like the problems that you see, because if you're not confident about it and you don't make it really clear to them, then your purpose isn't served. Speaking of clear purposes not being mm-hmm. served, right? Um, but there's a fine line because, especially with our client, you know, they really are this pioneering space. The manager started it from scratch, and she's working, you know, basically on the sho- shoestring budget. They're understaffed. She's sassy and you know, just like really scrappy, resourceful. resourceful. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) She's an amazing woman and like people really respect her. She gets a lot done. Um, but there, there is a level of emotional attachment and there is going to be with any client that has, uh, you know, either a financial or emotional, whatever stake in their project. And so, you know, there is this fine line about how do you present these basically like problems with their business and doing that in a respectful way, but in a way in which you aren't sort of like shying away from standing up for what you know is true. Mm
0: -hmm. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I I originally thought it would be difficult to walk away at this point where we're doing all this research and we're, we're emotionally invested in it. And then to say, you know, it's up to you, take these insights or this problem statement. And if you want to run with it and do something with it, that's, that's fine. That's up to you. But I kind of see now how it makes sense in a learning process to uh, put a stop there, and you know, from a real-world business perspective, if you are doing that well, if you're presenting those that problem and that's accurate, you believe that it is a problem, you have these insights on the problem, you can make a res- recommendation about how a design should work on that problem, you know, you can get hired, um, and we're not planning on any of that necessarily, but I can kind of see where you know that's that's why we've kind of kicked off this year with design research any other parting thoughts from you guys i think we've got 3 weeks left mm-hmm. in our learning experience mm-hmm. or half a year here at austin center for design
1: i think on the note of what you were just saying about um doing research handing off these areas of opportunity versus like being involved in the solutions um you know, one thing that I'm coming away with um, as a emerging designer is that you are so intimately involved with the space and with your client. And to me personally, it's like I really want to see them succeed and I, w- I can see how that could happen and I could see how that could be implemented. But, you know, there is a point where you can't do it all. <laughs> you can't do it all for them. And that's, without, that's beyond the scope of our... S- you know, semesters work. Um, and so, yeah, I have mixed feelings about that.
2: Yeah. I mean, I, I would agree. Like I feel pretty invested, you know, I feel very intimately attached with some of the the information, you know, the words that people told us and the stories that we heard and, um, kind of that desire to find a solution or to, to like really design something that's going to work because we are experts in this, in this space now. And we want to be able to see that the our clients succeed. And, um, I think all of us really value this. So it is a little bit of a mixed, a mixed bag.
0: Yeah. All right. Thank y'all. Thank this you. wraps Thank up you. another quick session and Austin Center for Design occasional podcasts on our research for recycled breeds. Thank y'all for listening.